The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm ready to get into the Word this morning, excited to get into the Word. Now, it's summertime. Can you feel that? Yeah, Yeah, it's a little bit hot outside. So uh, we're going to dig deep here. We're going to get into the Word. I'd like to move quickly through the Word this morning, but I don't want to rush. I want to cover a lot of ground, and I want to, to believe God for an impact in our lives by His Word that will forever be changed. I'm really trusting God and believing God for something great in all of our lives, myself especially. As we get into the Word here, there's a few things we're going to find. If you're taking notes, you can jot these things down, things that we're looking for as we get into the Scripture. Now, these are things that uh, we're going to find as we turn through the Word together, and they're really meant to just keep our interest engaged. So what I want you to do is, is be looking for these things. The first thing we're going to find, and it won't take us long to get there, is the message of Jesus Christ. I mean, the message of our King. Uh, We can sing songs about him, we can give our life to him, we can uh, uh, live our lives in in an attempt to bring honor and glory to his name and expand his kingdom and all of those things. We ought to listen to the message that he's speaking. He brought a very specific message, and we need to know what that message is as we live out our lives as believers. Another thing that we're going to find is what we need to be sane, right? So you can elbow your neighbor and say, you need to write that one down. All right, what we need to be sane. I mean, what we need to have mental health. There's something that we can have in our lives to bring a stability to our our mentality, and we're going to find what that is in the Scripture. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, And then the third thing that we're going to find is what's for sale. What's for sale? That's a little uh, ambiguous there, but when we get there, you'll catch it. What's for sale? There's something that's always for sale we're going to find out what that is. So here we go. Uh, the message of Jesus Christ. I told we're going to find that. I want to start there. I think that's a great place to start. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. I want to look at verse 17. We're going to find out the message of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4. Now, Matthew chapter 4 is revealing the preaching ministry of Jesus. So Jesus is, is bringing the word of God. He's preaching. He's, he's anointed to... to bring freedom to the captive and sight to the blind and and liberty to the oppressed and all the anointing of God is upon him. And as he's moving around Israel, he's preaching the word of God. But there's something specific that's attached to every message that Jesus preaches that we need to catch. Basically, it is the message of Jesus Christ, meaning every sermon that he ever preached or every time he ever sat and taught his disciples, it was all to make some point come to pass. And that point was this, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, from that time on, from the time that Jesus was anointed, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It means every single message that Jesus preached, this theme was attached to it. What that tells me is that the point of every single message that he ever preached was for people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, repent is a word that we ought to use more. Unfortunately, we don't use it very often because it it produces in us an anxiety. But the truth is, repent is more than simply apologizing or acknowledging an evil. It's about a change. 
Oftentimes when you see the word repent used in the scripture, it'll be followed by and return, repent and return. But repentance means change. I mean, Jesus is literally opening up his messages, the, the, the words that he would preach and the things that he would teach by telling everyone, hey, the whole point of what I'm about to say is so that you'll change because the kingdom of God is here. Change because the kingdom of God is here. Change because the kingdom of God is here. Now let's find out in the word what we're supposed to do. Change because the kingdom of God is here. And here's what the scripture says we need to be doing. Repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God. I mean, I want to draw attention to something that's revealed in the scripture. The kingdom of God is the message of Jesus Christ before the cross. And it's the message of Jesus Christ after the cross. When he comes out of the grave, I want you to see this in the scripture because it's a real important thing to catch. The book of Acts chapter 1. I want to read the first three verses. So if you're taking notes, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Uh, The author of Acts is writing, and they write these words. On the first account that I composed about Jesus and all that he began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven or ascended to heaven, after the Holy Spirit had given orders to the apostles that he had chosen. To these he presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So Jesus comes out of the grave, and don't you know you've got some stories to tell, right? I mean, I would be like, hey, listen, guys, I went and got the keys. I looked death right in the eyes. I held out my hand, and he had to fork him over. It was awesome. You should have been there. I mean, he's got some serious stories. And there's a limited amount of time. I mean, 40 days is what's recorded here. So in that 40 days, you know, guys, we've got a limited amount of time. i got lots of stuff I could tell you. But in this limited amount of time, I need to focus on this because it's the most important thing. I need to talk to you about the kingdom of heaven. We don't have much time. I could spend all of our time talking about this, talking about that. I could blow your mind with this. I could tell you about what it was like when God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. I could tell you all about that, but what you need to know about is the kingdom of God. Let's talk about that. That should tell us the priority of this message. I mean, the importance of this message. The kingdom of God was Jesus' message from start to finish. When he would preach, change because the kingdom of God is at hand. When he comes out of the grave, I only have a limited amount of time before I won't be with you anymore and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Let's use that time to talk about the kingdom of heaven. It's his message. Now we need to find out about the kingdom. I mean, what it is and, and how we can live in it and abide in it. Why would Jesus tell us about it? Why is it so important? I mean, the first thing that we need to acknowledge is what a kingdom is. I mean, I want you just to to ask yourself, don't answer out loud, but just think, what is a kingdom? I mean, we don't really have an easy time wrapping our minds around this uh, because we were born in the USA. Anybody want to sing it? Yeah, I mean, I've really never known what it is to live in a kingdom until I come to Jesus. And now I'm forced to understand, obligated to. It's important. It's priority. I need to understand what it is to live in a kingdom. Well, to live in a kingdom requires us to have a king. I mean, you can't have a kingdom without a king. No such thing as a kingdom without a king. And a kingdom is simply the domain of a king. 
his jurisdiction, where his authority rules and where his authority reigns. I want to give you a passage of scripture for you to visit in your own time. I'm, I'm going to read it, but it's important that we see that this is something that God has planned intentionally and that it's important for us to understand and know that this is his will and his pleasure to do this on our behalf. The book of Daniel chapter 7 reveals a vision of Jesus being handed a kingdom by God the Father. I want to read how the vision is recorded. Now Daniel is having the vision and it says, I kept looking into the night. I kept looking into the visions and behold, the clouds of heaven and one like the son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days, that would be God the father and was presented before him. And to the son was given dominion, glory, a kingdom, that all the peoples of all the nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will never pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Now that is something that was revealed to the prophets in a vision, and it's something that has come to pass with the establishment of Jesus Christ as our king. You can't have a kingdom without a king. And his domain is everywhere that he rules. Now, I want to talk about what his rule and what his domain brings into our lives. I mean, if I make Jesus my king and I offer my life unto him to be the ruler and the authority of all of my thoughts and my words and my actions, if I choose to make Jesus Christ my king, what's the result of his domain in my life? I want to give you a passage of scripture that reveals some very exciting things, things that we all desire in our life, but maybe have a hard time bringing into our life. And I want that to change today. Romans chapter 14 verse 17 tells us what the kingdom of God brings, what it exists in or consists of. Romans 14 17 says this, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is made of. It's what it exists in. And as we offer up our lives to make Jesus our king, giving our life as his domain, the place where he rules, the place where he has authority, we position our lives to be lived out in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is a wonderful and powerful thing. I mean, the word by itself is, is a wonderful selection. I mean, God is intentional with his words. He's never casual with his words. It's not like he says something and then thinks, well, I hope somebody wrote that down because that was pretty cool. I mean, he's choosing his words to reveal to us truth, things that are absolute and, and without shadow or change, things that won't pass away because they're absolute in every aspect of their existence. God chose the word righteousness. Now, in, for us, the word righteousness needs to be uh, interpreted. It needs to be broken down. I mean, we need to go to English class just for a minute. Now, English class used to put me to sleep, okay? So I want you to do me a favor and, and stay awake, please. We won't be there long. But righteousness is an interesting thing to consider. It's the word righteous meaning right or in right standing, with the suffix ness. Suffix meaning it comes at the end. Prefix would be at the beginning, right? 
Suffix comes at the end. N-E-S-S. Righteousness. Now that N-E-S-S does something. It changes the word. Righteous by itself is a descriptive word or an adjective. It would be like you could say, well, man, Preston is handsome. (whistles) Nobody amen that. I can't believe that. You had your shot and you blew it. You would be describing. You could say that car is fast. Fast is describing the car. Righteous is a descriptive word, but when you put the suffix N-E-S-S on it, righteousness, it changes it from a descriptive word, from an adjective, into a noun, a person, place, or thing. Well, you're a person. You're a person. Righteousness can become our identity when Jesus becomes our king. When our life becomes his domain of authority, where he rules and he reigns, righteousness belongs to us. We become righteousness. It's more than just doing what's right because of rule of law. It is being right, a state of being. And it's all because of Jesus. Righteousness. And righteousness is a wonderful and powerful thing. We need righteousness in our lives for this purpose. I want to give you a couple of scriptures. 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. If you have your Bible, turn there. 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. John writes to us, If you know that he's righteous, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Well, the he and the him there is Jesus. Practicing righteousness, being righteousness, having the righteousness that comes from Jesus as our king. His counsel ruling and reigning in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions reveals to this world that we're born of Him. 1 John chapter 3, I want to read verses 7 and verse 10. I want to read these to you and I want you to pay close attention. See if anything stands out to you. John begins writing, little children, make sure that no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. Because the one that practices righteousness is born of him. Because the one that practices righteousness is abiding in his kingdom. Because the one that practices righteousness has Jesus ruling and reigning in mind, in speech, in action, in every aspect of existence. Now here comes verse 10. This is a verse that is interesting to me. By this the children of God and the children of of the devil are obvious. It's the practicing of righteousness. Practicing righteousness sets us apart from the rest of the world destined for wrath and destruction, for us to be Christians, for us to walk as the children of God, for us to have Jesus Christ as our King, our lives given as His domain to rule and have authority in. The practicing of righteousness is the result. And it sets us apart. So righteousness is the result of Jesus as our king. Another result is peace. Remember, righteousness, peace, and joy. We've touched on righteousness for a moment. I want to speak about peace for a moment. If you have your your notes there, you can write this down. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. It's a description of Jesus, our king. It's a description that we often read around Christmas time. Because it speaks of his birth. But it's something that we ought to focus on. We ought to give it our attention more than just one season a year. 
because it describes our king. Beginning in verse 6, we have these words promised to us. A child will be born to us and a son will be given to us. And all of the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And it goes on to say there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it in justice and in righteousness from then on and forevermore. And it's the zeal of God that will accomplish this. But it's been accomplished. Jesus is enthroned, ruling and reigning. Now the question that I have as I look at my life is, is there an increase of his government in my life? Is there an increase of his peace in my life? Because for the longest time I thought something had to be peaceful in order for it to belong to Jesus. As if he would reject the things that were chaotic and embrace the things that were peaceful. But now I understand something. As his title has been established in the word which will never pass away, he's the prince of peace. I now understand that everything that he's given authority over becomes peace. Everything that he's given rule and reign over, everything that he's given dominion over, everything that's offered up to his counsel, his headship, his kingship becomes peace. I don't need to get my marriage in order so that Jesus will, will flow through my house. I need to get Jesus flowing through my house so that my marriage will get in order. When you introduce Jesus into the chaos, the chaos bows down. It's the reason why his life would serve as an example as he would stand in the midst of the storm and bring peace and calmness. Peace is a result of him having rule and reign. I mentioned before we were going to find what we needed to be sane, right? Now many of us don't like to say, well, that one's for me, Pastor. But you know you might have just set up a little more and leaned in over your notes because you're ready to write this down for you or someone you love. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 speaks about the power of God's peace. And there's great instruction that comes before. So if you were to go and you were to spend some time reading this, begin at the beginning of Philippians chapter 4, but I want to read to you verse 7. It speaks of the peace of God, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension or understanding. This is what it does now, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. The peace of God guards my mind in Jesus. When I feel my mind running astray, when I feel my thoughts running wild, when I feel that I'm losing stability, I need God's peace. Peace is the result of God's kingdom, which is the result of making Jesus my king. I need to take whatever it is that's bothering me, whatever it is that's bringing anxiety and fear into my life, I need to take whatever it is that's resulting in that instability, and I need to put it under the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. I need to offer it to him. Knowing that as soon as it falls under his domain, it has to bow down to righteousness, peace, and joy. And that peace protects my mind. And as we carry peace, we can produce peace with our life, with our words, and with our actions. 
Many times, the chaos that requires us to, to cry out for peace, for us to take situations and put them at the feet of Jesus, many times those situations are not situations that only involve us, but there's people around us. There's, there's wives and children and co-workers and, and church family. There are people around us that are walking through the same thing at the same time. And when we can walk in the peace and have our minds protected by the peace of God, we can help others do so, which helps make us to be peacemakers, which fulfills a wonderful promise in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. So as Jesus becomes king in my life, as Jesus becomes king in your life, as Jesus is made Lord over situation and circumstance, not just in title, not just in ceremony, but by surrendering our will, laying it down and taking his counsel and his instruction and bringing it to pass. We open up the door for righteousness. We open up the door for peace. And we open up the door for joy. I want to give you a passage of scripture concerning joy out of John chapter 17. Uh, we speak about John chapter 17 often. It, it, it's probably something that I'm predisposed to because I really enjoy the chapter. I mean, this is a chapter where Jesus is praying for me. It's a chapter where Jesus is praying for you. In scholarly circles and in places of study, it's referred to as the high priestly prayer. Jesus, you're a high priest and he's praying. He's praying for you. It's a wonderful prayer to read. And it's even more wonderful to know that the Father responded favorably. John chapter 17, verse 13, as Jesus is praying, he's speaking to God the Father and he prays this. He says, now I come to you. Now I come to you in these things that I, I'm speaking in the world. I speak so that they, now that's me and you, the disciples, may have my joy made full in themselves. Jesus is revealing that all the words that he would preach and all the prayers that he would pray would be to bring his joy into our lives. His joy into our lives. And there's something about that that I, I think is important for us to understand. We can get hung up on the joy aspect of that. But I want us to think about joy from a biblical perspective. What would it mean to have joy? I mean, most of us think of, of smiles and celebration, and that's great. I think that's a wonderful thing to think of. But for Jesus to give us joy, for Him to give us His joy, is for Him to give us something far greater than we can comprehend. For him to give us his joy is for him to grant us access to the Father. Because joy has a source. Psalm 16 verse 11. God, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is where there is the fullness of joy. In your presence is where there is the fullness of joy. For Jesus to give us the fullness of joy is to give us access to the Father. And it makes perfect sense, as Jesus would say, no one comes to the Father but through me. I am the door. So as Jesus becomes our King, as we stop doing what we want to do and we begin to do His counsel in His Word, as we offer our lives to His domain, making Him the authority, doing things His way and not our own way, 
We step into an identity of righteousness. Our minds are guarded with peace. And we have access to the Father resulting in joy. It's a wonderful thing to have Jesus as your king. To walk in his kingdom. Now here's where I want us to to focus as we begin to get to the point. And we're going to get there quickly. So what is it that we do to make Jesus our king? How can we walk in his kingdom and come to know righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit? Access to the Father. He spoke about this. Remember when he spoke, he preached and he taught. And everything that he taught involved change because the kingdom of God was at hand. Change because access to righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit is at hand. He would open up saying, listen to these words and let them change you. Let them change you because the kingdom of God is at hand and all of its righteousness, peace, and joy. And as Jesus was preaching and speaking these messages, he spoke a message that I want us to look at in Matthew chapter 13. And what's really amazing to me, and I don't want any sarcastic jokes, but Jesus preached really short sermons. I mean, he did. It's amazing to me how short his messages were. This message is one verse long. He preaches this, and I'm sure he preached other things at this meeting, but he preaches this in verse 44, Matthew 13, 44. And he stands and he speaks about the kingdom of heaven. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then hid again. And from joy over that treasure... He goes and sells everything that he has so that he can buy the field. I mean, Jesus preaches that message and then kind of drops the mic, right? It's just it. It's like the Holy Spirit's going to have to activate this in us for it to make sense. And I want the Holy Spirit to activate this in us right here and right now for it to make sense to us. The kingdom of God is just the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. Because the Father had the Son presented before Him, and to the Son, He handed the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And it's like a treasure hidden in a field. I mean, it was there all along, and then all of a sudden you become aware that it's there. That's my life. I grew grew up in church. I went to church services. My father was in ministry and my mother was in health care. It should have been a pretty healthy house, right? Spiritually, physically, we had it all covered. But yet, even though I was exposed to those things, I never saw them. I never was in the kingdom of God until one day, there it was. That one day was a rock bottom day for me. But it was a day in which I found that treasure in a field. My eyes were open to see it, and there it was. Now then, here's the rest of this, because we have that treasure before our eyes. Now then, what do we do? Well, the Scripture says here that with joy, not out of obligation, not out of religious duty, not out of family tradition, but because you want to out of your own will, because it is exciting to you and joyful to you, you go and you sell out everything you have so that you can have that treasure. That's meant to describe our lives as we give Jesus rule and reign. 
I don't think of selling your baseball cards and, and selling your, your night table and your lamp and selling your things and possessions. Don't think of that. Think of giving up everything in your life. I'm going to give up all control over this. I'm going to give up all control over that. I'm going to give up all of my hopes and dreams. I'm going to lay it all down so that I can have Jesus Christ as my King. So that there will be nothing that competes with His will for my life, His counsel in my life, His plan for me. There's something that we need to be in order to have the kingdom of God existing in all of its righteousness, in all of its peace, in all of its joy. We need to be sold out. Completely sold out. I mentioned to you before we're going to find out what's for sale. Everything in your life. I want to give you a couple passages of Scripture here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to read verses 19 and 20. It speaks and it opens up with this. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God. And this has been throughout the Scripture. You see it in the Psalms. You see it in the book of Exodus. Exodus 15, 16 reveals that we're a people that God has purchased. Purchased meaning bought. The book of Revelation reveals something. In verse 9 and 10 of chapter 5, it reads like this. It's a song. It's a celebration. Worthy are you, and the song is being delivered to Jesus. Worthy are you, Jesus, for you were slain and you purchased for God with your own blood men from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And you've made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Purchased, bought. When the kingdom of heaven is discovered like that treasure in a field, there can be nothing held back. It's all sold to the blood of Jesus. It's all bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Like that man who with joy, under no obligation, went and got rid of everything that he possessed so that he could obtain that treasure. Our lives are meant to be the same. Nothing held back. It is all bought and paid for by Jesus. Jesus didn't just buy my marriage and my family, but I still have my business. I can't be a Christian to my wife. I don't cheat on her. And a Christian to my sons, I raise them up God's way. But then I go into business and, and we do it man's way. Can't do that. He didn't buy my Sunday morning, but I still have my Monday through Saturday it doesn't work that way. With joy, he sells all that he has. Can you say all? all? All. For Jesus to be our king, for his domain to exist in our lives, for his rule and his reign to bring about the promised righteousness, peace, and joy that the word promises, we need to be sold out. He bought it all. He bought it all. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray, and, and that's really the prayer that I want to pray. That's what I want to see ministered. And oftentimes when we talk about being sold out, we talk about that from the, the idea of being highly committed, you know. Highly committed. 
But I really want you to think about being sold out this morning with a retail mentality. I mean, if you were to walk into a store in need of an item and they said, I'm sorry, we're sold out, what would that mean? It would mean there's no more to buy because somebody already bought it all. Somebody already bought it all. And as it concerns our lives, we're meant to be sold out. And it goes beyond just being highly committed. It means somebody already bought it all. If anything in the domain of darkness wants to come and tamper with my marriage or my children or, or my ministry or anything like that, it needs to understand it's, it's sold out. There's nothing on the shelf. It's already been bought by someone else. It's gone. And we have a choice in that. Can we just let Jesus buy it all? He's paid the price for it. Are we going to keep it on the shelf? Or are we going to let him take ownership? He bought it all. And I want us to become aware that we're not our own. And trust God that as we offer up our lives to walk under the headship, the lordship of Jesus Christ, that the fullness of righteousness, the stability of peace, and that the presence of God that brings about the joy in the Holy Spirit would prevail in every one of our lives, our households, as we worship together, as we move throughout the community, that our lives bring glory to God as our lives reveal and release righteousness, peace, and joy. There where you stand, I want to ask that you just simply be in a receptive state if you're willing to receive this morning a work that God would do in our hearts and our minds. Father, we bless your name and we praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you would reveal to us that you have handed off your kingdom to your son, our king, Jesus. Let it be understood in each one of us that he has dominion and rule forever and ever. Open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to see, to know, to understand that a price has been paid for us, paid in full by the blood of Jesus. And let a new awareness exist in us that we're not our own. That we've been bought with a price. And let the result be a life that's completely sold out to you. That there would be nothing to be accessed by our enemy to corrupt or to torment, but that the shelves would be empty. That Jesus would rule and reign in all of our thinking, in all of our words, in all of our actions, in all of our fellowship and relationships, in everything that you have called us to do, and in all that you have called us to be, let Jesus reign, let Jesus rule, that his kingdom and the results of his kingdom would be revealed and released through our lives. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And let anything that has been held back Anything that still remains upon the shelf, let this morning be a morning of transference, that it would be transferred from the shelf to your ownership, bought and paid for, that we would not hold on to what you have purchased. And let the rule and reign of Jesus bring about solution and healing to every area that we've held on and brought about frustration, anxiety, and wound. We thank you 
for your goodness and your favor. And we rejoice in your promise. Let your promises become our reality as we surrender our lives to our King Jesus and walk in your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you thanks. And all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at Champions Church.